That's the way it works. Turns out there are a lot of people, whole countries who want respect, and they will pay through the nose to get it. How do you think I got rich? I invented weapons, and now I have a weapon that only I can defeat. And when I unleash it, I'll get... <laughs> you sly dog! You got me monologuing! I can't believe it! <laughs> is this Pixar or is this... This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this brand. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear Bing Bong is a sus individual. Let's ride. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we're back. Part two, baby, talking about these villains. I, I had a lot of fun last time because we started to touch upon some of the layers that consist within these villains. And we didn't get to talk a lot about some of the top seeds, the SIDS, the hoppers. And so I think this time around, we're going to really get to dive into some of the psyche and what makes a true villain a villain. And we're going to have to crown one. And in order to get us there, we have over there. Once again, in Mouse Madness Studios, Walnut Creek, is Julia. Julia, welcome back. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah. So you kind of talked a little bit about what makes a villain a villain in your eyes last time. Do you think that some of these choices that we made still hold up in your mind as what makes a villain a villain? Yeah, I mean, actually, this is one of the first times where I haven't been, we've reached the second round and I'm not mad. So <laughs> let's pray that it says it stays that way. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm, I think we're on track. And so. that, that's on growth and that's on progress. I mean, we are- <laughs> uh, a round one without a literal upset is quite rare for viewers and hosts alike. Sure, sure. We had a couple of upsets. I don't know if they're necessarily upsetting, but we had Bruce taking down Zerg. So sure. there's there's that. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I like this time of year. We're in spooky season. We have quite a few spooky brackets in mind and i'm really excited because we get to do two more full spooky brackets but even before we get into those next couple of weeks we're here talking villains uh let's let's dive in chris spoonful of sugar time what do you what do you two have in your cups over there we're hydrating today we're we're drinking some so we're drinking some anemos uh fresh salt water salt we're not drinking salt water we're drinking fresh water (laughs) Uh, but we're drinking fresh from the streams of Atahalan, that iceberg mount, the mounted, um, mm-hmm. Hmm? Mm-hmm. what was that? Yeah. The, the <laughs> iceberg mountain water, the fjord, the fjord sauce. It's good. Yeah. Fjord sauce. Nice. Yeah. I have a beer on my end. So it's October. It is Oktoberfest season and there's a tap room in Oakland that does these themed beer boxes. We're in we're in the themed box season right now. Mm. Just wait until our December brackets when I'm pulling out the advent cal- wine calendar that I get from Costco. 
very excited about that one. But this is a similar thing. I got 12 German style beers in honor of Oktoberfest from this local tap room. And I'm diving into one tonight. Uh, this one's called Fest Beer, and it's actually from Chris's neck of the woods hey. uh, down in, in San Diego. Oh. This is from Society Brewing Company in San Diego. It is what they described as an Oktoberfest lager, crisp, cre- crisp clean, and festive. Uh, a nice little 4%. We got the little stereotypical little hey. German folks dancing on the can. There's like a it. ton going on on the other side uh, with just a lot of logos wow. and icons and symbols. Wow, and I don't even know what cool. it all is. But it's a German style lager. So it's very light. It's very refreshing. Uh, and I love this time of year. We're getting festive and I, I'm digging it. So I'm I'm ready to rock and roll with my beer over here. All right. Well, just to remind everyone where we're at, we're talking uh, best Pixar villain uh, to get our original field of 16 villains. We went with a demographic that came from the Disney parks, sent the interns down to California Adventure where they asked Oogie Boogie Bash participants, well, what is the best Pixar villain? Uh, these these villains have been privied to performances from Ernesto de la Cruz himself yeah. at Oogie Boogie Bash. And as I was doing research for this, I think there's a Sid. There is a Sid. And I saw like a like a screenshot of a video. I'm going to have to go back and watch. Yeah. But I imagine it's pretty comical. It's good. It's good. He's a good walk around character. It's, we have a... Um, there's that conundrum in the parks where it's do you make a human who looks like a kid perform as a kid or do you create a character costume for the kid and at mm-hmm. Oogie Boogie's Bash it is a a human performer acting as Sid and he is very snarky very teenage angsty it's very good that's great. Well, we asked and we said, what's the best picture of villain? We, uh, we had a field of 16 last week. We sent half of them home in the first round. We picked things up in the round of eight where we have the number one seed Sid from Toy Story versus number eight Ernesto de la Cruz from Coco. Battle, Battle of the Oogie Boogie Bashers, Ooh. apparently. We've got the number four seed Lotso from Toy Story 3 versus number five Randall from the Monsters, Inc. The Universe. Other side, we've got number two, Hopper from A Bug's Life versus number 10, Bruce from Finding Nemo. And the number three seed, Syndrome from The Incredibles versus number six, Stinky Pete from Toy Story 2 specifically. Kyle, I kicked off our conversation last week talking about Gabby Gabby. So why don't you head, why don't you go ahead and get us started with some Sid this time? Yeah, let's talk about Sid. So Sid is the next door neighbor to Andy and his family. They share a fence line and we don't really see any interaction at all between Sid and Andy. I would love to know if like those two are in the same class, if they are, you know, Sid is the older kid next door and Andy kind of stays away from him because he feels like Sid is a little unpredictable. Here's the booms in the backyard maybe and takes that as a sign. But Sid is a, a little neighborhood terror. Uh, we can assume that he's, you know, the an, on the older side of childhood or entering his teens, maybe. He is a kid who is terrorizing not only the neighborhood with his loud explosives, but his family at home. He is constantly harassing his little sister, as, you know, big brothers often do, except he takes it to the extreme. 
his little sister's really just trying to live her best life and he's snatching up her toys and he's snatching up her toys. He's bringing them up to his room and he is performing some pretty sensational surgeries on these toys in which he is taking limbs. He's taking heads. He's taking torsos. (laughs) And he's putting them on other objects, on other toys. He's creating little Frankensteins that are running around his room when he's not looking. He is creating his own monster shop. And he's, he is Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> he's, he's doing all of this. And he has access to explosives. He often is blowing up the toys in the backyard. That's kind of how we're introduced to Sid overall. Are the toys on the windowsill noticing that Sid's out there and they have to explain to Buzz who Sid is and Sid's in the process of blowing something up. He's blowing up Combat Carl. Combat so, uh, Carl. Can, Shout we, out. can we get a little rest in peace pour one out for <laughs> Combat Carl, please? Can we have a little moment of silence, please? <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Combat Carl gets blowed up. His pieces ricochet off of Andy's house and window. That's how loud and big these explosives are. And I, so I did a little bit of like, hmm, let's assume, which I think we can because we as these 90 kids grew up within the same time frame as Andy once he gets to Toy Story 3. He kind of ages with us. So we can assume that this film takes place in between 1994, 1995, somewhere in that realm comes out in at the end of 1995 the film does so i'm like okay what was the state of ordering things to your house in 1995 in other words how is Hmm. sid getting explosives to his house you can assume maybe he has a plug he's got a playground plug that he goes Hmm. to and he and he's getting these things shipped in through some sketchy kid's uncle who's dropping him off at the schoolyard he could be caught he could be calling them in Catalogs? Yeah, I was gonna say that's. I was gonna say back then it was catalogs, and you you look at the pictures and you write down the number and then you call the catalog and say I want this, this from the east. I don't know. Did you get East Bay? Did you get East Bay when you were a kid? Yep. Like like athletic wear and yep. shoes. Yep. I got the the Christmas time. You get the Toys R Us mag and yep. you get the Sears catalog. All that stuff, man. It was yeah, totally. so sick, dude. So, so I mean, that's the best time. I I still I get these um like country like what is it called? I want to say it's called Town and Country, although that's not it. That's a magazine, but like Town and Country esque kitschy catalogs that have somehow been put under my name and I get them and it's just like sky mall type items. Mm. And I, I, every time I keep those things around for weeks because I'm going to flip through those. I I never get anything, but I'm like, Oh, look the world's possibilities that I could get a heated blanket that I can stuff my feet into as little slippers that have little massagers on the end. That's the type (laughs) of stuff. That these catalogs sell. So Sid could be ordering yeah, explosives yeah. from catalogs. But do you know what launched in 1995? Oh, had to be the Columbia. Amazon. Oh, well, that too. Yeah. Amazon's initial gig was a bookstore, online bookstore. And they were launched in 1995. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Sid has access to the internet and could have ordered these items over it. Is it 
super probable? No, but it could mm. it could have happened. I think we're we're right when which he probably ordered them over the catalog, uh, over the phone with the credit card number. But have I I think I was always too afraid to snag my parents' credit card out the purse and make a phone call and try and order something. Have have are you either of you I mean, my mom used to put her purse on a hook that we couldn't reach it. And we would have Dang. to like jump on the laundry machine and then do like a Michael <laughs> Jordan jump and whip like, you know, yoink it out of the bag if we wanted to take some money <laughs> to get a Fred Flintstone uh, item at the at the village store at the Ville, we called it. <laughs> but We all everyone had a village market. I had one, too. <laughs> we um, we also dude, we went on e-toys. What? E-Toys was sick, dude. What? It was this website where you could get all of those sick toys, but it online. It was called E-Toys. Wow. And it's like, that's where I bought like my Nintendo 64 games. Wow. And like my first PS2 games and like E-Toys was tight, E-toys. man. And no one even remembers E-Toys, I feel no. like. And then Amazon came on and ruined it. But sure. a lot of, I remember a lot of like eBay and a lot of, Amazon eat toys back then. Okay. Uh, Julia, did you have, I mean, your mom's, I imagine had her own system. <laughs> She's not as slick as she likes to think she is. <laughs> Me and my sister pretty much had and still do really her credit card number uh-huh. memorized. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's he's buying fireworks. Yeah. So I'm like, is it some with some dude on the side of the road? He's like, how old is Sid? Is he like 18? He's not That's 18. That's what I'm saying. I, he's he like 16. He could be 14. Could he be could 16. be like 30. Who knows? <laughs> um, I just love when he's like extremely dangerous. Keep out of reach of children. And then he's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Sid's definitely a very quotable character and i th- and you're right i you, that's you're right to call that out these aren't necessarily explosives these are like sold as fireworks and he reads them as as like rockets and fireworks and stuff and so so his whole thing is to terrorize anything around him uh including like his dog he doesn't really treat spike all that well in, in this world and so sid is just a bad kid he's an, like i said at the top he's a bit of a neighborhood terror uh, and for us, he is the line between, or he is the barrier between life and death for our protagonists. If they get blowed up, that's that's going to be just about it. And so he poses a real threat. He gets foiled at the end. He gets his a little bit. The toys plan to come to life, which is unspeakable in the toy realm to come to life around a human. But they do so in order to teach him a lesson and free themselves uh, and he goes calling for his mom and he, he gets scared and runs away. And that's really the last that we see of Sid in this incarnation. We see him maybe later in Toy Story 3 uh, as a garbage man, but he, we don't get anything really out of him in that film. So that's that's really Sid. He's on the hunt for new toys to blow up or, or mess with. And, and he does just that. Uh, he's up against... The number eight, Ernesto de la Cruz, and we talked a lot about him last time. And what I just like about Ernesto de la Cruz so much is that he's able to convince everyone around him 
of this facade that he's living. Uh, And even when he dies out of the human realm, his legacy lives on. And so he's still encapsulating people even after his life. He has this entire mausoleum dedicated to him with his guitar hung up. And, you know, you have kids like Miguel who are worshiping him even before they, he thinks that he's his great grandfather. And then the, as you said, like in the land of the dead, is there a God or is there just in Ernesto de la Cruz? Like we don't really know. And we don't, we're not experts in this religion at all. And, and what happens in the afterlife of this Mexican culture, but he's running whatever land of the dead town he's in. This is the Hollywood, this is the Mecca. And he's he's higher status than Frida Kahlo. And we see Frida in this film and, and she's performing at Ernesto de la Cruz's concert. So it's crazy what he's been able to build up off of lies and in that on the shoulders of, of everyone else. He's kind of taking advantage of everybody along the way. Uh, of course, you have the murder aspect. And I don't think that you necessarily need to kill somebody to be the most villainous, but it definitely adds to your resume a little bit. If you're willing to go to that length in order to preserve your own legacy is to cut out anything that might jeopardize it, even if it's a human, uh, that's that's pretty evil and villainous. So he's a tough one. And I, I think that I'm going to have to go with the upset with Ernesto de la Cruz here only because it's this human aspect. And I know that we're supposed to suspend disbelief a little bit and put ourselves into the shoes of these toys. Um, But there's just some real life implications that Ernesto Leila Cruz's lies have on tearing literal families apart by them believing that he's one of their ancestors, uh, by the power that he takes over people, by his status and his fame and the advantage that he takes of everyone around him and the fact that he out here murking folks just to to preserve his fame that's very selfish that's very villainous and i kind of like that over sid here i think there are some real human stakes for sid as well though i think when i was a little kid i really really was afraid of the troublemaker kid in school yeah like, not that I thought he was going to do anything to me personally. Strap I just, to a rocket. I just thought that, like, I didn't want to be around his energy. Yeah, that's fair. And I was, I mean, I'm not going to, not going to, you know, toot my own horn here, but like, <laughs> I was the, an angel. yeah, the teacher often put me with those kids because I was like quiet and easy. And they were like, let's just put him with the troublemaker kid and, Balance out, you have like one <laughs> normal kid, right? You're the sacrifice for the rest of the piece of the so, class. So, I mean, everyone. I mean, off the top of your head, Kyle, like who was, who was the kid? Who was the kid? Who was the Sid when you were a kid that was yeah. just unexplained, unexplainably evil all the time, just always on one? Yeah, I wouldn't say unexplainably uh, evil, but we definitely had some troublemakers in our class so much so that we were in like history class in fifth grade and we had three cops walk in and arrest three of the kids in our oh, class. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, this is because, Hollister. This is straight Hollister right now. Yeah. They, we were crazy out here uh, for vandalizing a, an abandoned uh, building in a community. 
uh, and they got arrested and made a made a uh, example out of. And we all knew they were the troublemakers, and like those were the ones. They were my homies, but I was like, I'm not going to get anywhere near the antics that you are getting into. And and good thing because I didn't go to juvie like they did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude. Shout out to Trevor Neve. Shout out to uh, Trevor Webb. Shout hey, out to the Trevs. Hank Dobson. Like these kids were. These kids were were nuts. You've actually <laughs> met. Chris has actually met my Sid. Can you oh, guess? Oh, who's your Sid? Can you guess? Um. Yeah. No. That I know his name. The one that was he was lighting fireworks at. <laughs> he was also lighting fireworks. He's still doing at, it. Yeah. Uh, it, no, his name is, uh, his name is, uh, uh, um, no, his name is, uh, uh, it's not Zach. It's not Garrett. It's a West Virginia name though. It's like, uh, it's like, um, Evan. No, it's, uh, Tyler Tanby, D- Danby, Ten- Tenby. His last name's Danby. His, his last name's, uh, his name's, uh, what's his name again? His name is Nathan Petros. And let me just say, not to bring up back fireworks again, no, but ha- setting setting off like actual fireworks is both extremely dangerous and terrifying. Yeah. So I'm from West Virginia. They're elite they're legal in the state of West Virginia. So you can buy like the big huge ones that like Disney World has. Uh-huh. So we my Sid his name is Nathan Petros. <laughs> we were th- we were blowing up fireworks like I don't know two summers ago, and like two times the firework fell off the mortar and oh. like started shooting at us, and we oh. literally had to like duck and cover. Oh, terrifying! Oh, it was like one of those things, like the thing that Zerg has, where he shoots out like multiple <laughs> balls. Yeah, yeah. Nathan Petros put it on a rock, and he was like, "Bro, it's <laughs> fine. Like this is gonna work." And it tilted <laughs> over at us and just started shooting fireworks oh, no. into us. It was crazy. Was like it's in the house. Oh, no. anyways. Every, so everyone knows this here. Yes. Yeah. Every, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So that is a human element to me, but also okay. the fact that like even the stakes themselves, like I'm going to get back into my, like what does the villainy really represent thing? And like Sid represents a lack of empathy. The way that he like mangles these toys and dismantles these toys. And like, yes, they're inanimate objects to us, but they're people to that, to the toy world, you know, like you have, uh, Janie, little Janie, Janie's all better now. Like she's, <laughs> she's beheaded, right? Like that's not nice. And so when Sid eventually gets his, as you say, Kyle, he learns his lesson. Uh, Woody goes on his little speech and he says, we don't like to be tortured, Sid. We don't like to be taken apart. Be nice to your things. Um, and that's, the empathy that the movie Toy Story 1 is about. It's about Woody looking into the eyes of Buzz, someone who is not like him, and saying, I accept you, you are my friend. Whereas Sid sees these strange things around him and he wants to control them by mutilating them or <laughs> making them get blowed up. Mm-hmm. Um, some little interesting traits about Sid, though, like on top of this... Uh, his poster 
in his bedroom that says I heart explosives. <laughs> okay. Like that one's just, that's just automatic, right? Yeah. That's just, but he has two band posters. One of them says Wraith monster. Okay. And one of them says mega dork. <laughs> I remember the mega dork. It's one. <laughs> like a, it's like a mega death reference. So we have to assume that like, in addition to being a pyro and crazy and loving pop tarts, he's also like a metalhead. Like he's a rock and roll kid. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I think Ernesto, he's got kind of an interesting villainy in the way that he's risen to the top, but I love the everyday villainy of Pixar villains. And, and I got to give it to Sid. I got to ride the number one seed. Julia, this tiebreaker is going to you. Er, definitely Sid. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, it sounds like you were firing off fireworks with Sid two summers ago. So of course you're in Sid's camp. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know what? To be honest with you, this sounds horrific, but I have set a Barbie off. Of, I have strapped a Barbie to a firework. Damn, you just and set it. it off. I you know it's it. really bad. Crazy. It's really bad. I mean, girls go through this period where they love Barbies and then they just destroy them. So I guess I went through a villain, you know, <laughs> you entered your villain. Phase. Villains got a vill. And now you're back. You've got baby Sven living and large. I'm just Andy over here. Just trying my best. <laughs> um, all right. The next round of eight oh, matchup boy. is the number four seed. Lotso hugs bear. From Toy Story 3 versus number five, Randall from the Monsters, Inc. universe. So we talked about Randall. Randall won in a tiebreaker on the last episode. Uh, Randall, very slithery. He's got this master plan. He's a cheater. He's also a kidnapper, technically a child trafficker, yeah. also a child murderer, like not a very great guy. We did not talk about his backstory though that we i know get. i ignored it it it's definitely a backstory worth ignoring <laughs> it comes in monsters you i know um monsters you a prequel to monsters inc so randall is mike wazowski's roommate in college mm-hmm you think, oh, it's going to be Mike when, or not Mike, Mike is Mike. You think <laughs> that it's going to be solely when Mike opens the door, but it's Randall. Yep. And Randall is actually like pretty nice kid in college. Like Randall is trying to make friends and he's trying to get in with the cool crowd. And Mike is like, dude, we got to study, 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 study. We got to get first, we got to get best on the test. And Randall's like, dude, I'm just trying to like chill with the homies. Just trying to experience that college life. Trying to join a frat, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to rush. Uh, which he does. He does yeah. rush and he and he pledges he pledges Fisig, bro. He's in top house. I see. He's in top house. So uh he ends up making friends with like the coolest kids on campus. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's still kind of like a nice kid that is sort of used as like an accessory. To this this cool kids crowd, they are like, "Oh, Randall, do the funny trick, bro!" And he like turns himself invisible because that's like <laughs> his scare ability. Uh, and so, so Randall kind of maintains this sense of like, he's he's good deep down. But then they do this like scare games thing. Uh, yep. It's like a 
Disney you know, Channel games, but make it Monsters <laughs> College. <laughs> Plus make it a frat. Like, yeah. I don't, it's like the end of old school kind of. Right. But there's multiple frats. And so basically like Randall and Sully go head to head in like an obstacle course and then Sully wins. And then Randall's like, that's the last time I let him beat me at anything. And that's why yeah, Randall that's is such that. a bad guy. It seems like such a small thing for like a up to this point, nice character to suddenly Turn spiral up. all the way down into like, let's kidnap and murder some kids. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fungus, I, I do like the relationship with Jeff fungus. I feel bad for Jeff fungus a little bit. Like he seems like the type of person that is just so mentally and emotionally weak that he can't break free of like the, the villain minion relationship. Totally. And I guess it speaks to the power of Randall as, as kind of a manipulator in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, lots of hugs. So I talked a little bit about the, uh, North Korea aspects of lots of rain uh -huh. at Sunnyside in the last episode. Um, I will go ahead and stand by that. Uh, so that's really kind of like the external villainy of Lotso, but he really has a kind of a mental weapon that he uses whenever it seems like people are trying to disagree with him or move away from him. He throws in that you're just a toy. You're just a piece of plastic. Like that is always his defense that like you shouldn't really want anything because you're nothing like mm -hmm. you are trash. Um, and it's only because he was trashed uh, in his backstory. It's, it's a lot like a Jesse situation where he was uh, left behind Yep. and he was replaced with another lot. So, and <laughs> you know, we've been, we've been kind of saying with some of these toys, like if I can't be played with, no one can be played with. That's literally what he does to, um, big baby. And what's the clown's name? Chuckles. Chuckles. Uh, and there chuckles tries to say like, they didn't replace us. He she just replaced you. And she, he was like, no, she, she replaced all of us. Uh, so he definitely kind of goes on a little bit of a bender there. And, and that's kind of what he, that's the line he kind of maintains throughout mm -hmm. his whole existence is mm -hmm. we're all trash. We're just waiting to be thrown out yep. and we can live forever at Sunnyside where no one can hurt us. I mean, I see it a lot like Prospector, but it's uh, it's like almost one step further to me. It's like, it's not I'm better than you because I'm worth more. It's not only am I better than you, but you are not even worth being alive right now. Like I'm right. about to throw you in the garbage. Uh, you know what? You know what it feels like? This is a, this is a, a fun comparison, I guess. Oh, Lotso is that person who, when they said the student loan debt would get canceled, <laughs> he said, I just finished paying off my student loan, so I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to pay them off, everyone has to pay them uh, off. You're so this right. This is not fair to me personally. You are so right. Lotso hates to see people win. Lotso is the they that DJ Khaled talks about. They <laughs> hate to see you win. They don't want you to win. They they don't want you to have the key. They is Lotso. Um, 
yeah, I think ultimately Lotso is just way more complex uh, than Randall. I, I didn't have Randall advancing on the last one, so I think I'm going to advance Lotso for a Toy Story, Toy Story Final 2 on this side of the bracket. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Lotso has that kind of hopper power to him as well, where I don't think that he necessarily... I think he had a little bit more of a hand in establishing the systems that happen at the Sunnyside daycare, but I don't think that he is actively managing it. It, The systems exist without him. You have that like meeting of his, his little henchmen that take place like without him where they're kind of talking about, you know, what's going on in the, in the, in the daycare and they're gambling and all that stuff. And, and like that ring of bad guys reports up to Lotso, but he didn't establish and say y'all gotta hang out and like meet together they've all just kind of accepted their place and like how do we continue to make Lotso's rule run and they're doing it blindly like they're doing it because they've been basically brainwashed by this cult leader to think that the only way that they have meaning in the world is to stay within the walls of this daycare and so that manipulation is extremely evil Randall's great, but his his selfishness, like Lotso's, uh, like Lotso has selfishness, but Randall's doesn't necessarily ever get to the point where it's impacting the entire society that he's within. He's foiled before he's able to really enact his plan. Uh, and so if he was able to start kidnapping and start working his his scream machine magic his scream extractor i think is what it's called then we could be talking about well he's doing a lot of harm to not only the monster world but also like our world that he's entering into but he doesn't get to get there lots of damaging <laughs> the psyche of a lot of these toys that we're supposed to empathize with so i agree number four lots of julia any issue with the bear moving on i was kind of still team randall but oh. i yeah I mean, like, it's like, it's the whole argument like that Chris made a little bit before where you like, you know, they're just toys, right? But like in the Toy Story universe, they're people. So yeah, lots of makes sense. Cool, cool. All right, let's move on to this next one where it's the number two Hopper versus the number 10 Bruce. And I I, I think you've got it, right? It's got, it has, it's Hopper. Like Hopper runs the Bug Life film. He is the overarching anxiety to our main characters throughout the film he he is the reason why these ants act the way they do the whole film is around defeating hopper and freeing the ants from his rule so that they can achieve what they want to do flick can explore his own invention his entrepreneurial spirit you have princess ada who doesn't have to necessarily rule as her mother did uh she can kind of rule how she wants to not all around this harvest uh you have princess dot who can go and actually have a childhood and and explore what she would ever want to do and so hopper really runs it and bruce is just kind of a pit stop in this long journey of mayhem for marlon and dory so uh we could talk a lot more about hopper in the next round because i have a feeling that he's gonna move on pretty easily here Oh yeah, definitely. I think this is a this is definitely a mis a mismatch. Um, Bruce, even not kind of sort of a villain. <laughs> Hopper definitely 
uh, rolls with the best of them. Julia, are we? I, I know you love Bruce, but are, are we good with this? Both. I love both, but Hopper is the better villain. Bruce is like a a villain in reform. He's going sure. to he's going to you know fish AA. He's going to therapy. He's trying to deal with his issues, which I totally appreciate. Yeah. Um, but you know that does put on that does put him on the trajectory of a good guy and not a villain. So Hopper, it is. Until he relapses and blows himself up, but no. <laughs> I believe in him. I believe he can do it. I believe he can become a vegetarian. <laughs> okay, the last round of eight matchup is the number three seed syndrome from Incredibles versus number six Stinky Pete from Toy Story Two. No. I think we've, I think we've said everything I can say about Stinky Pete. Yep. Um, we kind of laid out a good summary of him in the last. Um, episode syndrome uh it's got some some good stuff so syndrome the way his story begins uh he's a kid named buddy who's just a big fan of bob parr of mr incredible dork big dork big dork so i mean he shows up in the man's front seat of his car <laughs> in the passenger seat. Bob enters the vehicle and buddy is riding shotgun. Now that's not good. Like no. buddy, he- buddy was in the wrong here by doing this. Uh, this is not how you approach the people that you want to meet. Right. This is creepy, bro. Please don't do this. Yep. However, Bob Parr did not handle it very gracefully either. His reaction was probably one uh, that was a little bit excessive. In this case, it was putting him in the ejector seat and launching him <laughs> out of the vehicle so that he falls he onto his face. Like, that's a little bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like yelling at him. He's not like, Oh buddy. Hey man, like I really appreciate you coming and helping me. I'm in the middle of something right now. Maybe like, give me like 15 minutes and I'll come back and we can talk all about being a superhero. Yeah. I mean, he also was under the pressure of trying to get to his own wedding, right? That was the whole thing was he was going to be late to his own wedding. And so he was going to take this job and save these people. And then there's buddy impeding him to the altar when you're famous man you you yeah. cannot commit to things that normal people can commit to <laughs> when you're famous and one of those is being on time to a wedding yeah like, throw the wedding dream out the door a you're little gonna be late. kid a little kid was <laughs> sitting in my seat i had this i had to talk to him i had to sign i had to have mama, a conversation with them mama mama i'm sorry anyways <laughs> So, um, eventually, uh, oh, another, another villain, uh, the bomb guy, what's his name? Bomb Voyage. Bomb Voyage. Uh, (laughs) they meet up with Bomb Voyage and Buddy comes flying in on little, little Iron Man style with some little hover Mm -hmm. boots and Mm -hmm. he's like, dude, I made these myself, bro. (laughs) Like we could tag team this. And Bob's like. I work alone, son. Work alone, kid. And then eventually, like, chaos ensues. The bad guy gets away. Um, and Bob Parr gets really mad. 
throws Buddy in the back of a cop car and says, basically, this kid sucks. Go home, Buddy. Go home, Buddy. Fly home. I work alone. So, like, it's interesting. This, 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 the, both of these characters, like, together are interesting because you have the little kid, Buddy, yep. who I'm going to go ahead and venture a guess doesn't have a very great relationship with his parents or with his family. Sure. The kid is looking for validation, looking for support, looking to be loved. Um, and he eventually calls it looking for respect when he eventually reaches adulthood. Um, and, and he's looking for Bob Parr for that. And Bob has an issue with letting other people help him with his business. Mm-hmm. He thinks he can handle everything on his own. And that's, the evolution, that's the arc of Mr. Incredible. And so when you have a character who's looking for affection and a character who has trouble letting other people in, this is a classic blue-orange personality dynamic, <laughs> Kyle. It's attention-seeking It's attention seeking and attention-given. Sometimes yeah. it works. Sometimes it works really great because the one person loves attention and uh-huh. the other person loves giving attention. <laughs> but and then also sometimes it doesn't work because the other person needs attention. Anyways, yeah. this is Bob and Bob and Buddy. And so uh, really, really awesome dynamic. Um, so yeah, he, he eventually uses that as his villain origin story <laughs> that I was wronged by the person who was supposed to be not just my hero, but a hero, a person that all of society ought to be looking up to, both in the way that they behave and in the way that they are as people. And so Syndrome says it when he's got Bob in some type of like laser field trap or something like that. Yeah. And he says something like, you didn't respect me before, but now that I'm so powerful, you do respect me. Therefore (laughs) power is how I get respect. And like, that is just like, going into such fine detail on a, a character in a Pixar movie, you know, yeah. like the way that, that they're able to kind of articulate the headspace of this villain in a way that's not, that doesn't feel necessarily like forced. I think is just, it's so awesome. Um, the movie goes on. There's tons of, of fun stuff that, uh, happens throughout the, the back and forth between syndrome and Bob Parr, Things like Bob threatening to kill his little assistant lady and Syndrome <laughs> basically being like, dude, go for it, bro. Uh, he was like, I could snap her like a twig. He's like, I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, it's like, it's like, how far is this guy willing to go to like live this sort of fantasy world for himself? So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not really like specifically, uh, this isn't a reference to like the character syndrome, but I have one of like my favorite syndrome line when he discovers the incredible family, the Parr family. He goes, he sees Elastigirl and he's like, you married Elastigirl? <laughs> and then he looks over at uh, uh, Dash and Violet and he's like, and you got busy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, syndromes 
dialogue, the the lines that they wrote for this character are all just so good. Who is the actor that plays that that voices syndrome? He oh, sounds is... a lot like that guy from like Silicon Valley. It looks like the name is Jason Lee. Oh yeah, it's um the my name is Earl, dude. Oh, it's Earl. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Okay. So yeah, and, and syndrome dies in the end, and the the syndrome death is so good too. Yep. Because it's like full circle. Throughout baby. this throughout this movie, he's trying to get everyone to believe that he's this hero. Like that's his whole thing is like, I I'm not a hero, but I want everyone to think I am. So in thinking this, he's designed the Cape. He's designed the superhero Cape into his costume. (laughs) And it's a sign of, it's a sign of his hubris because we have seen Edna reference the fact that no capes. Capes are bad. They only will hinder you as a superhero, but they look sick, right? And mm-hmm. to Syndrome, that's his whole thing. It's not really about being sick. It's about looking sick, about getting yes. people to think that you're sick. So yes. sure enough, he kidnaps Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack. He's on that plane wing. And <laughs> yoink. Yep. Bye-bye, Syndrome. What a that's I would say that's that's one of the more gruesome Disney deaths getting yeah, sucked I mean, sucked into a jet turbine and the the entire plane blows up and we see Jack Jack float down with Elastigirl as the parachute and she's going no look at mommy look at mommy don't look at look at mommy and it's like oh my god somebody just got blowed up including the pilots of that plane and we're trying to distract Jack Jack from noticing any of it. <laughs> it's very gruesome. And there's also an element of if I can't, if you, if yes, what what we've been what we've been talking about with some of these Toy saying. Story toys, mm-hmm. you know, if I can't be played with, no one can be played with. With yes, uh, syndrome like that's when if I he, can't be a hero, then there can be no heroes. He said, "I, you know, I've got this technology that's going to make everyone superheroes, and if everyone's superheroes, nobody's super." Oh, so so twisted and so good. Uh, yeah, long way of saying I got syndrome for sure over Stinky Pete, and I'm very much looking forward to his matchup with Hopper in the next round. Yeah, I didn't want Stinky Pete to go on last time and and so i'm gonna put him down to syndrome here but you i mean you nailed it the the syndrome character is maniacal and one of the more maniacal villains that we have on this bracket and and just in his way of thinking that he's not going to necessarily like do a lotso where he's going to, or do a hopper where he's going to control the environment. He's going to eliminate the need for the thing that threatens him, right? Like with a lotso, he's going to eliminate the idea of the thing that threatens him. But for, for syndrome, he's not only going to off as many of the supers as he can, but he's going to develop something that eliminates the need for them totally. And that doesn't even gain him anything. He's just going to be the one that sells this thing and he's going to get rich, but then no one can be super. And in the in the speech, in the moment that you talked about, his quote goes, see, now you respect me because I'm a threat. 
That's the way it works. Turns out there's lots of people, whole countries that want respect and will pay through the nose for it. How do you think I got rich? I invented weapons and now I have a weapon that only I can defeat. And when I unleash it, and that's when and Mr. Incredible throws the, the log at him and he's like, oh, you sly dog, you caught me monologuing. And it's <laughs> that it's just like, even he knows he's the super villain. Like he doesn't think that he's doing like a service to for good to everybody. He's like, oh man, you caught me in my villain trope. I like that a lot. I think that's just so fun and it's great. He's a great villain. I agree. Julia, any issues with Syndrome moving on? No. Ship it. I think he's Ship good. It. Ship it. All right. On to this next matchup here. We're, we're heading back into the final four. Mm. In the Toy Story matchup, this is where things are going to get a little, little dicey. Uh, it's the number one Sid versus the number four Lotso. And Chris, you brought up a, about Sid last time that like he's practicing on these toys. And I was like, eh, the threat of him managing and and messing with these toys is not as threatening as like somebody who's affecting real people and and when you brought up that like it's kind of conducive to behavior that might translate into scary things <laughs> later on and that I had I had that written about Sid is like you know, this feels like the first step into full serial killer mode, right? Like first thing he's going to do is sit there and practice on his toys because they're the most accessible and they, and he can snag them and he's, he's initially not hurting anyone, but then he starts hurting people when he's stealing them from like his sister or stealing them from friends and then blowing them up and eliminating them to the point where he's giving all these toys stories as he's blowing them up we see that with he's he's managing like a a mission launch uh, a rocket launch when he's about to launch woody and he's doing the whole like radio thing he's involving real people in his imagination and having it played out through the use of all these toys so there is this like human element to him and i agree like he is threatening from like a a kid perspective of like the the troublemaker of the class but he still just doesn't feel like something that is you know he, he it's the signs are there and he got put into his place so do we see that he becomes what his potential could be looks like maybe not unless that's his double life he's living as the garbage man mm-hmm. you know he's he's making the mess and cleaning it up all at the same time we don't know so Sid is a, is a great villain, but I still just really, really enjoy the character that is Lotso and the way that he's able to kind of take control without having to exude any violence on folks, at least that we've seen until like Woody's gang shows up. Most of the time, he's just ruling with fear as a dictator kind of would or fear not in a, in a, not fear in him but fear of what could happen if he's not there. And so you have all these toys obeying by it. And he's he's like calculated. He has the rooms divided so that he can control the the climate, the energy of each room. He knows who to put into the the pre-K room. He knows who to put into the older kids room and how 
that has a status symbol within their communities without him having to actually like say that. You just know if you're in the pre-K room, you got to do everything you can to get yourself into that next room because those kids are going to tear you up. And it's that threat of the environment, not the threat of Lotso. It's the threat of the environment in which they want to try and obey and get out of it, right? There's this this mind control aspect that Lotso puts over these toys that is just beyond what one person in Sid is doing who has to kind of, you know, affect toy by toy. The threat of of ending up in his room is terrifying. But if you're living in Lotso's world, you are living day and night terrified. And I think that makes a good villain to be able to rule with power without having to rule with force. It's scary. That's a scary villain trait. I'm going to go with Lotso. Yeah, I think on the surface, yeah, very complex villain. Something I, I think I'll throw it back to something I mentioned when we were talking about Darla, the the idea of the shifting perspective, um, mm. because a lot of these Pixar films they have you a unique point of view. We're from the point of view of a toy, we're from the point of view of a fish, or from the point of view of a bug, um, and we're not necessarily taking on the traditional point of view of a human being the, as audience members. And so I think Lotso is very human-like in, in the way that he is a villain. Like we can associate with him to, we can associate so many human-like, human villain-like traits onto, onto Lotso. Sid's working on multiple levels for me though. You mm. know, like he, not only is he like a terror to the toys, he's blowing them up, but he's a terror to the neighborhood. He's a terror to <laughs> Andy. Probably he's a terror to his sister. Neighborhood um, dogs. I'm sure neighborhood dogs. Like he's just working on so many levels to be the absolute worst. I do want to do want to call out something that's hinted at. Um, a couple of times there, there are these little glimpses of Sid's character that shine through. Uh, you've obviously got his excitement of, of the pop tarts being ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just as, just as any nineties kid is when pop tarts are done, very excited. Um, but he has two kind of other moments that point to perhaps a sinister home life. Um, mm. when he is asleep uh, when it's raining outside and he sets his alarm clock uh, for the delayed launch, uh, he's having a dream and he says, oh, I, I want to ride the pony. Yeah. <laughs> says, I don't, don't want to ride the pony. I want to ride the pony. One of the two. But it's this, it's this kind of, I don't know, light side of Sid where you're like, Maybe he's like a scared little kid deep down and all of this, this outward show of brute force and power is just compensating for fear. Um, And it's pointed at to again, when he fixes Janie, he puts a pterodactyl head on her and the sister starts running downstairs and Sid goes, I didn't do whatever she said. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Like he's, covering his own butt and a kid who's as terrible as that to like to just to have absolutely no backbone at all means like (laughs) 
The parents must be 100 million times worse than Sid if you've got Sid trying to protect his own butt. Well, it feels like mom is trying to hold this house together by herself. Like, we don't get any instance of dad. Ah, Isn't dad's he asleep in front of the TV, he's right? Sleep watching a Buzz Lightyear Yeah, commercial. yeah. Dad's got a couple of brewskis by him. Uh, empty brewski cans watching right. TV. So right. we we might have a, a father who maybe isn't super attentive because the kids definitely are all clamoring to mom. They are calling for mom. They are responding to mom and, and dad's not so much in the picture. Toy Story 3 is when Pixar starts getting a little bit big brain for me. Um, I love, you know, going in, into detail and talking about these metaphors and these other things that the villainy stands for and senses of worth being hinted at and all that stuff. But I love me a good bread and butter original Pixar villain. So I'm going with Sid, the number one seed to the finals. Julia, you're breaking the tie. Do you got the number one Sid or do you have the number one Lotso going to the final? Could night tonight could not be going more better for me. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I just like to, before I, you know, choose what I'm obviously going to choose, I just like to point out one thing that Sid is voiced by Eric Von Detten. Yep. Which is Brink. so cool. Yeah. Which is Brink, who's also the kind of like the villain in Princess Diaries. <laughs> he plays the jerk face boyfriend. So, yeah, Josh. I just love that for him. So, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise. I'm going to go with Sid. Okay. Uh, who will Sid face in the finals? We've got the number two Hopper versus number three Syndrome. Man, this is a tough one. Oh, uh, I think I said everything I need to say about Syndrome, but I got some more on Hopper, baby. Uh, yes, let's talk uh, about Hopper, please. <laughs> we, we talked a lot about that, that sombrero scene. Uh, mm -hmm. in the last episode where it's the moment where he really articulates his plan in a very poetic way. The idea that it's not about the food, it's about the control. So villainous and just mm -hmm. twisted, you know? Okay, so I'll start with the entrance. The, the Hopper intro, like a, a, a good villain intro is tough and they absolutely crush the Hopper intro. Yes, they uh, do. The ants scurry, scurry down into the hill uh, and everyone's silently waiting on <laughs> the the grasshoppers to take the grain, uh, and they're basically like, "Oh crap, something's wrong." They all bust through the dirt, uh, and then Hopper comes through, and silence. <laughs> silence from all of the ants. Silence from the other grasshoppers, and most importantly, silence from Randy Newman's iconic score. <laughs> and Hopper basically looks down on like two or three random ants. And he does that. He does that OG Pixar blink where they can't get the eyes to blink at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Works as a bug though. Sure. Sure. And he steps over the ants mm. and he's got his, both of his hands behind his back. He's leading with his head and he's just walking around. And he's just looking at people again. No one's saying a word and mm -hmm. he's just looking around at the situation. And like, it is so incredibly tense in that moment. And you just know that this man is capable of anything, anything at any time. So scary. And, uh, 
<laughs> I can't remember who the first to speak is. I think uh, is, I think that's he goes. Where's the food, right? Yeah. Where's and then and then what's going on? Yeah. Where's the food? And Ada is like, "What did you do?" Ada says something. Princess Ada, and and Hopper just goes in on her. He's just he. He sees that she gives him that opening and he just takes it and he just goes deep onto her. He takes his little feelers and he feels up her face with his little feelers. Um, And he's like, you're not the queen. And she's like, oh, she's going to be the queen one day (laughs) under new management. And that's when that's when it begins is this 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 dialogue about how. He's schooling Ada on how to be a leader of the anthill. He's basically revealing his own villain secrets to yes. her. He's like, first rule of leadership, everything is your fault. So, so Bars. <laughs> it's the best. Then um, he starts talking about the order of things. Mm-hmm. There's Buggy an bug. order. The ants pick the food. The grasshoppers eat the food and this is like this is like QAnon mm-hmm. territory right now mm-hmm. that like there is a way things should be and they need to be that way for the world to be a perfect place right until it impacts me because in that same breath molt goes and the birds eat the grasshoppers and he's like whoa 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 <laughs> let, let, hold on let's let's just slow down on that yeah. <laughs> um no that interaction is great too kind mm-hmm. of like grounds hopper a little bit molts like um gives us his achilles there his achilles heel a little bit there that ooh, we have some run-ins with birds on this side but then he uh he turns around and punches another grasshopper in the face knocks him out and then he and then he and then he uh he kind of snaps and he goes hey I'm a yeah. compassionate guy, <laughs> right? Like, so, like seeing like these these multiple sides of this villain. Like within like five minutes, this guy is just he's just crazy. He's so bad, and it's so good. And he's got and he drops the mental thing on them too. The same thing that Lotso does, saying, "Look, I'm providing safety for you. Mm-hmm. This is if if it weren't for us taking this food." Hey, there's a lot of bugs out there that want to eat you. Then he brings out he brings out his little grasshopper buddy, whose name's Thumper, by the way. Yeah, it is Thumper. Not and one. let's talk about let's talk about Thumper. I this is the like the Pluto Goofy issue. So if these are all grasshoppers, and we have grasshopper named Thumper who is acting rabid and and like an animal then what what is thumper to the rest of the grasshoppers i feel like it is an awful commentary on the mentally unstable yeah it could be i never really thought about this situation it is strange yeah it's not good no it doesn't feel good Mm-mm. So they dip out. They do the sombrero scene, which we said is amazing. And then he comes back, man. And they come back. They come back to collect. And this is when Flick starts starts chirping a little bit at mm-hmm. Hopper. And Hopper Hopper fires back with a 
You're lower than dirt. You're an ant. You're mindless soil-shoving losers put on this earth to serve us. Oh, God. And then his, you know, what he prophesized comes true. Yeah. The ants link up arms. They overrun all the grasshoppers, chase them out. But Hopper's not finished yet. (laughs) The lightning strike. (laughs) Hopper's still there and he's like, you know what? We're going to come back and there's going to be even more grasshoppers. But guess what? You won't be here anymore. And then there's that payoff. That little, our little bird friend, mm-hmm. chirp, 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 mm-hmm. gets picked up by the bird. And like, if it ended there, it would be great. If if the bird picked him up and ate him, that would be great. But they, but. they take it one <laughs> step further. <laughs> but they take it one step. And this is where the frames of reference thing comes into the play. It's not the scary bird that eats Hopper. He gets fed to the little cute baby Mm -hmm. birds Mm -hmm. who are so harmless and so useless. Yep. These birds have, they can hardly even move their bodies. All they can (laughs) do is lift their necks and eat the food that their mother regurgitates to them. (laughs) And you have this, this pure, evil, disgusting villain who is so sick and twisted, just just getting fed to these little baby birds like it's nobody's business. Yep. And like that is that is what I loved about early Pixar, their ability to tell straightforward stories where deep ones were happening at the exact same time. Sure. Um, Syndrome, great villain. He is a little bit too, like, obviously villain for me, though. I think they really nail his backstory. They flesh out the character really well. They give him some good lines. But he does become cliche in places. You mentioned the monologuing line. Like, I'm generally someone who doesn't love when those are thrown into movies that aren't already, like, pretty blatantly satirical. So... I think I'm going to go with Hopper here just because he feels a little bit less obvious, I guess. Does that make sense? I think that Syndrome and The Incredibles in general, I think is a a film that is extremely self-aware. I think that it is a, a commentary on superhero films and like who we think of superheroes as in the in the general world, like in the mythos of the world. And it it's it's almost like Marvel films before Marvel films. Like Marvel films yeah. even get to a point in which they are making commentary on how absolutely ridiculous superhero comics are. And so the outrageous can happen and there doesn't have to be a discussion around it. And that's the same thing with... The Incredibles, I feel like it's just early putting your toe in the water type of stuff where they are kind of being like, well, what if in this wacky world, we kind of just accepted that superheroes exist, but we wanted to ban them. And what is the idea behind like, how do heroes react? How does a superhero react? And like Buddy being a fan of superheroes would then obviously take on the traits of supervillains because he's studied 
the mythos, maybe read the comics of Mr. Incredible. Like Mr. Incredible was not only a real thing, he was a pop culture phenom. And he had he had his books, he had his comic books, he had his like he had that like big movie poster. There were magazines about him. Like there was a lot around Mr. Incredible. So it would make sense that through the studies of heroes and then and therefore villains, that Buddy would take on these very stereotypical tropes and then call out that he's taken that on because he's a student of the game. He wasn't born into it, right? So I think that I can give Syndrome a pass around that. And I actually like that they included that into his character. It makes it feel a little bit more authentic as if he had to manufacture it himself based on what he sees as opposed to being born into it like some of these other characters. But I'm a... I think I'm going to move Hopper on. I think like this is a, this is a big bad. Like Hopper is is a is a villain and it's <laughs> it's clear cut and it's I like that syndrome we get the uh, like goddamn he's back. Like oh boy it's buddy. I love that. That's very fun. I love that syndrome rules from afar. He puts his evil into the world and then watches it burn. He gets got by his own invention, which is always fun. Like the the heroes defeat his invention and then he tries to take the next step forward. That plot twist is very fun towards the end. I don't know that I I remember being like, oh, damn, he's still alive. Like (laughs) we're still going. But Hopper through and through is constantly revealing slightly more about himself and you don't really know why he's ruling when you first introduce him you just know there's a a a power dynamic and that power dynamic is very frightening to us as the audience but also we can relate to the ants and why they are super afraid and then we get the the reasoning behind it oh we also get a a piece of like why he is the way he is like (laughs) he he got got by a bird and barely escaped at one point. So he's a little bit scarred up. And then we see that because he was, you know, ne- rendered powerless in that situation, he's kind of overcompensating by grabbing power wherever he can. And that's over these ants. So now he's going to live life large, make others work for him. Uh, and he's going to make sure that they live in this cone of silence and in this orb of ignorance in order to achieve what he wants, which is the food that they don't have to work for, the obedience, and just the general power. And then you're right. At the end, like we think this is all said and done. And then he could have just been like one gulp cartoon. Don't. And that's that's it for him. But no, he gets got by the powerless. The thing that he was afraid of all along, the powerless ants coming together and uprising he gets eaten by the thing that he's most afraid of in its most pure form. And that is that is poetry. And you're right. Like There was this sense of kind of simplicity and deepness that Pixar had uh, once upon a time uh, early on. It probably was just also a product of resources and they didn't really have writing teams. So it was like, John Lasseter and Pete Doctor, what do you guys think? And they're <laughs> like, we're going to write this this character and he's going to have some trauma and he's going to get got at the end. Uh, but Hopper is just such a well-rounded character. He's terrifying. Uh, he's manipulative. He overruns an entire society. And like I said last episode, if you can rule and force systems to happen without putting them in place, that's some power and that's some scary power. And Hopper's got it. So I agree. Number two is going to the finals. 
we have a one-two matchup here. Uh, is this going to break your brain a little bit, Julia? Like, I'm, I'm afraid for the Sid versus Hopper matchup. I know who I want in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I know who I want in my heart. Okay. So we'll see if it goes that way. See I have a feeling that it will. Ah, very interesting. Well, uh, it's the number one Sid from Toy Story versus the number two Hopper from A Bug's Life. We've got the first two Pixar films ever in the finals here. The first two original villains in the Pixar catalog are one and two, and and we've got them in the finals. Uh, I'm going to go Hopper, Chris. Uh, I think that Hopper's villainy is overarching. It is it's what controls the story from start to, be- to end. Uh, it, if there's no Hopper, then we just have a story about a bunch of bugs, which is what the movie Ants is. Uh, if uh, In Toy Story... Sid is an element, but he's not he's not the the threat. The threat is Buzz and Woody's power over the rest of the household. Uh, we encounter Sid. We know Sid exists, but we don't really encounter him until about the halfway point. And then he proves to be a threat. And even once he's eliminated, there's still other obstacles to overcome. Hopper is is the villain. He is the obstacle. He is the the difference between uh, autonomy and rule for the rest of the generations of these ants. And he does so not so much by just p- brute force, but he does it through manipulation. He does it through empty threats. He does it through uh, this Wizard of Oz kind of curtain aspect in which there could, there, is there a threat? We don't know. We don't know what he's capable of. And he exposes in Mexico that it's there's not really a threat because if they all rise up then we're done that's it and we have to keep them from thinking as one it's it's dictatorship at its finest it is this is such a well-written character uh i think that he deserves to take that crown i'm gonna say that number two hopper is the best pixar villain we had a lot of really good villains on this bracket um and Going back and reviewing all of these villains and some of their top moments was really fun. And there were certain little aspects I liked about all of them. And a lot of them were really unique. But after reviewing all 16, this was a one horse race for me from the very beginning. And it was always going to be Hopper for Mm. me. The difference, well, obviously the first, the, the primary reason being he is all of these villains wrapped up into one. He <laughs> is, you know, evil on a personal level. He is evil in the way that he orchestrates these systems that you keep talking about. Um, he represents a villainy that can be represented in, in human form as well. You know, you talk about people who just have ridiculous control idols just to, just to have control idols. You know, it's, it's the type of people that just want things a specific way and they get mad when they're not a specific way, not just because they want them that way, but because they want, they want it to be their way. Right. Yes. Uh, We all know someone like that. So, But I think the 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 one thing that Hopper has that none of these other villains have is his self-awareness. Mm. And and the the way that he knows exactly how he's going to go down if he's going to go down. And he can comfortably and confidently talk about it. 
uh, like that is what makes him even more scary because yeah. it's like he's always anticipating it coming and he, you know that he's doing his very best to play defense on top of playing offense when it comes to being a villain. Like that Damn. is just, he's just unbeatable, bro. Damn. I'm just so, I'm so happy that Bugs Life, <laughs> knock on wood, has not been touched in hey. any way. Like it's one of the few Pixar movies that it's has pure. not been tampered <sighs> with or like gotten additional material that has made things weird. Even their land didn't encroach in the canon. And like, it's let's been eliminated. Just, like, and it's, it's been eliminated. So we only great. have the film. Oh, thank, thank goodness. Well, Some, something I do want to point out something please. if we want to get really weird. When oh, yeah. I was watching Hopper videos on YouTube, one of the top rated comments was, yeah, right. If, if Flick really got kicked by a grasshopper leg, he would be dead so fast. Those spikes on grasshopper legs can be sharp as knives and could cut humans if the grasshopper is big enough. We're going to need to do a little... Imagine... Little Imagine, okay, so I'm six feet tall and yeah. flick. Okay, so let's say like to scale. Yeah. If I'm six feet tall and I'm flick, Hopper is like three times taller <laughs> than flick. So imagine like an 18 foot tall grasshopper yeah. with yeah. like two handed great swords on its legs kicking you in the face. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like that there's a point. <laughs> there's a point. But those ants are tough. Yeah, they can they lift have like endoskeletons. Mm, and they can also lift like yeah, 100 times their body weight. Like these are these are some tough bugs. Yeah, for real. So, but yes, a couple blades to the face probably they they wouldn't survive, but it wouldn't be Pixar without it. Um we did it, gang. We did Woo! it. <laughs> We've got Hopper as the best Pixar villain. Now, as we do at the end of every bracket, we're going to clap it out. <laughs> Julia, was this who you had right into the finals? You wanted to hopper over your your boy, Sid? I know. It is, yeah. Yeah, there's just, again, like, there's just something so... Like, I feel like I watch a lot of, like, you know, how actors get into character, that kind of thing. And, like, there's something, there's, like, a common thread between, like, a lot of the actors who play, like, great and terrifying supervillains. Voldemort's one of them. Ray Fiennes is one of them. Um, Hannibal Lecter is one of them. Um, and that is just, like, the power in kind of, like, simplicity and the power in, like, being, like soft-spoken at times mm -hmm. if that makes sense like there's something just so terrifying about just like being like just not knowing what their next move is yeah yeah exactly and you know it's just yeah it's very interesting it's, it's very very cool so yeah definitely hopper all the way i just i love a great performance and that definitely was one so yeah yep that is yeah. my vote great Great performance by an by an awful dude, and we'll go yeah. ahead and be yeah. on record and say an awful dude. Weren't, weren't. Yeah, we <laughs> we don't support or condone or anything. Yeah, no, no, it's it's big <laughs> Kevin Spacey energy in this household, but uh, this this character is great. Uh, Chris, we did it. Another bracket down. Uh, I'm glad that we were into Pixar land. Every time we do a character deep dive, all I want to do is watch every single one of these movies. I know. Back. Me too, it's man. 
Gosh, it's fun. It's what makes Disney Disney. These characters, man. These characters are good. Hopefully we get more. We'll see. We'll see. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode. And thank you, Julia, for joining us this time around. You're welcome. <laughs> we hope to uh, get you back on another episode one day. Oh, yeah. What's going to be next? What are the upcoming brackets? Don't have to wait. Well, we'll you're going to have to tune in to find out. We've got some <laughs> spooky brackets coming your way. Best Sid creation bracket. <laughs> best Sid. Best. Hey, best toy. I mean, best toy. On. We could do it. All right, everyone. That does it. You know how to reach us. If you've got a bracket idea, do you have any? You, you want the boys to break down something very specific? Email us. Mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Or hey, maybe you want to be a co host. Maybe you want to break some ties. We're down to have you on the show, folks. We love meeting new people. We love having new voices on here. So love to have you. You can always hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you like our stuff and you want to hear more of our stuff, mm. you can head over to patreon.com slash mouse madness and join us at the $5 a month level by becoming a member of Jerry's gang where you get access to things like two bonus mouse madness episodes a month. Yo that are non-bracket related, very topical. We just talk about whatever Disney stuff we want. You also get to vote on bracket topics. You also get access to video episodes and an invite to our seasonal Disney trivia game. Uh, Happens on Zoom. And guess what? People win prizes and those prizes are good. Very highly in demand. Would love to have you there, folks. Hey, until next time, just remember, friends, fish are friends, not food. <laughs>